All right. So again, welcome, if you're joining us for the first time, to Getting in the Word. We're going to be working through Chapter 3, Book 2 of Design for Discipleship, talking about communion with God, communing with God through prayer. And so let's go ahead and dive in to Chapter 3. If you haven't downloaded the PDF, go for that. If you need a PDF, you're welcome to email me, Stuart at FamilyBibleFellowship.org, or you can send me a DM or you can just get on the page and the admin will repost the PDF that was previously shared this morning. But nevertheless, chapter three, conversing with God. When's the last time that you had a conversation with God? When is it the last time today, maybe, I pray this morning when you opened your eyes and realized that God has blessed you with another day on this fabulous earth for which you can be used for to bring glory and honor to God. I pray that your day started out with prayer for your for yourself and for your family and for those in your communities. You know, many times I'll wake up in the morning and somebody will be on my heart and I'll just pray for them. And I have a list uh, that I consistently pray for um, because of as a pastor, I have many uh, people in my flock that I need to shepherd and pray for. And so each morning, that's how I begin. And so I may wake up at 625 and I may lay in the bed for an hour and I may pray for those people in my congregation and pray for my children and my wife. And uh, and then I'll read some scripture and typically I'll put together a little devotional. This morning, I, I began to pray for some some sick people in our church. And, and so I pray that you will do that. So when is the last time that you had a conversation with God through prayer. Well, communication, listen, is essential for growing any relationship. If I never talked to my wife, you would say you have a terrible marriage, Pastor. You're right, I would. If I didn't have a conversation with God, then I must assume that my relationship with God is poor. Because here's the deal. In order to have a good relationship, communication is essential. Um, this pours itself over into our relationship with God. Prayer is our means of communicating. God has communicated today to us through His living Word, and we commune with Him through prayer. And so as we study the Word of God and as we read the Scriptures, God communicates to us and we communicate to Him through prayer, giving Him thanks, giving Him, uh, letting Him know everything that uh, is happening. When you pray, the Holy Spirit, listen, ultimately helps you know what you are to say. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Flip over there if you will. I hope that you have your Bibles because as we continue to study and work through, we're going to uh, just kind of meander and poke through Scripture. Now I have a screen here, so if you see me looking over here, I'm, I'm reading the text. Um, 26 to 27, Romans chapter Eight in the same way, the Spirit also helps, uh, also helps our weakness. For when we do not know how to pray, as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes uh, for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who uh, and he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit. What the mind of the Spirit is, because He intercedes. For the saints, according to the will of God. So the reality is, is we have the Father uh, 
um, that we are praying to as the Spirit of God who lives in us is helping us and in, in interceding on our behalf with groanings too when we don't even know how to pray. God is working. The Spirit, Oswald Sanders, J. Uh, J. Oswald Sanders says, the Spirit links himself with us in our praying and pours his supplications into our own. We may master the technique of prayer and understand its philosophy. We may have unlimited confidence in the veracity and validity of the promises concerning prayer. We may plead them earnestly, but if we ignore the the part played by the Holy Spirit, then we have failed to use the master key. I thought that was a great quote. So prayer, your communication with God is section 1, page 22 of chapter 3, book 2. Number one, as a believer in Christ, you have been given a special opportunity, according to Hebrews 4.16. What is it and why are you given that? Well, he says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace, find grace to help in time of need. I don't know about you, but I wonder how many this morning are in a time of need. I don't know about your life, but my life is full of needs. Now, I may not be outspoken about them in many times in many ways, but nevertheless, the reality is, is we all walk through difficult times. And here we have a promise. Draw close to God and receive mercy and grace and have confidence. But here's the deal. When everything is good and and, and God is is providing in magnificent ways and everything is hunky-dory, the reality is as many times we forget God. Now, I don't know who's watching. But I need you to be reminded this morning, don't forget God in your good times. Don't forget God when you wake up and you're not sick and you're very happy and the bills are paid. Don't don't forget God when things are good. But let me remind you many times, it's when we are in those most difficult circumstances in which we are reminded our need for God. And some of you have forgotten God. Some of you have abdicated your call to to be in church on Sunday, to pray, to read the Word of God. And it's not until your life begins to get difficult that you are reminded of your need for Christ. He says, draw close to God so that you may receive mercy and grace and have confidence. We need that reminder. Number two, because God is the believer's refuge, in Psalm 62, verse 8, what are we told to do? If God is truly our refuge, he says this, trust him at all times, O people. Put out your heart before him. God is your refuge. He is a refuge for us. God is where you should find your refuge. 
not in your health, not in your circumstances, not in your prosperity, but in your relationship with Christ, with Almighty God, because He is your refuge. He is a strong tower. When the storms are coming, what do you do? You get inside to protect you from the elements. And listen, when the storms of life come your way, we need to be reminded that God is our refuge and our strength. He is our strong tower. And those who are wise, those who are smart, will run to Him in prayer. We need to trust Him at all times. We need to pour out our heart to Him. Let Him know He he cares about you. He loves you. He loves you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that, that He would die for you and give you life and take your place. And the wrath of God that was designed for you and for me, for those who put their faith in Christ, He has poured that wrath out on Almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. He knows the amount of hair on your head or the lack thereof. And he wants you to come to him and to pray, to pour out your heart to him. How does 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 17 relate to this verse? Well, he says this, pray without ceasing. We are to pour out our hearts to God in prayer all the time. Not just, again, when things are bad, but when they're good. We need to pray at all times. Now, different types of prayers are necessary to communicate the variety of thoughts you may want to express. And here in number three, they call us to match each reference with the corresponding type of prayer. Well, we know that in Hebrews um, 13, 15, well, I, let's just read them. I, I think for the sake of time, we have time to read each one. Because many of you haven't done the PDF. I pray you would. But if you haven't, then then the Word is what we need. We need not just the answers. We need to dig into the Word. So he says, Hebrews 13, 15, Through Him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. We, we need to be, right? We need to we need to have a prayer of thanksgiving, praises to God. We need to be praising God for who He is. That's where that matches Hebrews 13, 15. But also in, he, in Ephesians 5, 20, we are told that we should be given prayers of thanksgiving. Always give thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. We need to give thanks for what He has done. We need to give thanks to God for all of His many blessings. And then if you look over at Psalm 38, 18, we, we need that reminder as well, that we need to be confessing. We need That's matched to confession. For I confess my iniquities, He says. 
for I am full of anxiety because of my sin. When you sin, it should cause you anxiety. And when that anxiety comes in and the Spirit of God begins to convict your heart, my friends, that's when we need to confess our sins. And He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to be confessing in prayer. We need to be praising, yes. We need to be giving thanks, yes. But we need to confess before the Lord. And then as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, we, we need to understand and realize that we should not only praise, pr uh, be thankful and confess, we ought to pray for others. We ought to pray for others. He says, moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? When's the last time you prayed for someone? And, and specifically, how, how are we to pray for them? Well, I think we see that in James 1 5. James 1 5 tells us that we should pray for personal needs. We pray for them and their personal needs, and we pray for our personal needs. But if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him, what? Ask it of God. That's prayer, seeking God for wisdom. We, we may need something, and it's okay to go to God and ask Him. Sometimes God, well, God promises to give you your needs, not your greeds. That's a reality. But sometimes God wants you to have things that you enjoy as well and use them to honor God and glorify God. We need to be a, a people of prayer for our needs specific. Because God, it says, gives to all generously without reproach. And it will be given to him. Ask the Lord. Many of us fail to have because we have failed to ask. We say, well, you know, I don't want to ask the Lord for that. I don't want to bother the Lord as if he is limited. He's God. He created you. He breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. So, so don't worry that you're going to overwhelm God. We need to be like our children. If you have children, you understand what I'm saying, because they never stop. They, Daddy, can I get this? Daddy, can I get this? Daddy, can I get this? No, 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 no. Daddy, can I get this? They're persistent. We ought to be persistent as we come to God and that we are asking God for our personal needs, not our greeds, our needs. He knows just what we need, and sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says yes, but nevertheless, he's still good. He's still a good and gracious and, and sovereign God. So we need to understand, I, I think we need a better understanding, that our communication with God is vitally important. Um, but there's also, we need to understand the benefit of prayer. Not only do Christians have the privilege of talking with God, about everything, they also experience great benefits from their communication with God. As we pray to God, we, we are benefited by it. Number four, what truth do you find? In Jeremiah 33, 3 um, and Ephesians 3, 20, what, are, what truth do we find there? Well, he says this in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me. And I will answer you. Oh, really? Yes. He's promised. There's a benefit, isn't there? There is a, an absolute benefit. Call to me and I will answer you. 
and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. So there's a promise. He also says in Ephesians 3.20, not now to him who is able to do what? Far more abundant beyond that which we ask or think. You know, as I think about this, here, here I got an, you know, I get this email from Vimeo that says, it's like they're reprimanding me because we are using too much data or whatever it is. We our bandwidth is we're using, you know, um 3,700 gigabytes of bandwidth every month on minimum, and sometimes as high as 30000 So they want to charge us $15,000 a year for 250,000 gigabytes. And, and, I'm, and, and I'm thinking, just about a year ago, our prayer team was asking, God, give us the ability to impact people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But never did we think it would happen on social media, on Telegram, on Vimeo, on Facebook. Really? That's where you're going to bring souls to, to saving grace in Jesus Christ? I mean, just last Friday during Gospel Friday, we had 11 people come to Christ. What a blessing. So, yes, when we pray and we ask God, He gives us what we need, but He also says He is able to do far more abundant, beyond what we could ever think or ask for. So when we ask, we ought not ask for what we want so much as what God wants, because sometimes what we want ain't good enough. God wants to give us more, not money. Not bigger houses, not all of those things necessarily. There's nothing wrong with all of those things. God uses money to share the gospel and reach people and support missionaries and to provide for homeless people and food and resources. It's the world we live in. But sometimes God wants to bless us greatly far above what we are able to even think. So when we pray, we ask we ought to pray specific. But God, we want you, not my will be done, but your will be done. Because I trust you more than I trust me, and I trust your grace and mercy and abilities more than I trust my finite little mind. So when we pray, we ought to seek God with with intention to know that he has made a promise that God will tell us great. He will show us great and mighty things and that he is able to do far more above and beyond what we could ever think or imagine. Number five, what results did the psalmist experience when he prayed? Well, flip over there. Let's, let's read that. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and what he answered. Of course he answered. He always answers. It may be no. It may be silent, but he's always working. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Listen, I think we live in a day in which there is fear mongering on both sides, the right and the left. And let me tell you, right and left ain't, ain't the problem. Sin is the problem. And if the right uses the things of this world to cast fear in people, they're just as evil and wicked in their deeds as the left cast in fear to accomplish their purpose. We are not to fear. What are you, you going to fear? I'm a child of God. 
He who has the Son has the life in the now. I am eternally saved in this moment. So the worst thing that can happen to me is I, I kill over. But in reality, I am never going to die. I'm living for eternity, and I will be with Christ in eternity. What you ought to consider is you will live for eternity as well, somewhere. And there's only two options. The Bible says it's heaven or hell. Now, you can deny hell like so many of these false teachers do. But know this, hell is a real place, and it's eternal wrath and justice of God. Some say hell is hell because God not there. No, have you not read that the smoke of their torment ascended into the presence of the Lamb? No, hell is hell because God is there. Could you imagine longing to be with the Lord, but in eternity you are now in the lake of fire? You don't want to go to hell, my friends. You want to go to heaven. You want to live eternally with your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has done everything for you. To tell us that it is finished. It's paid in full. You lack one thing now. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. The psalmist understood that when he prayed, that God would remove his fear. What are some of your fears? What are some of your fears this morning? Everybody's different. Everybody's circumstances are different. What is it that you're fearing this morning? Well, I'm here to remind you, take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord. Commune with the Father. Make your fears known to Him. And that's why Paul writes in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplications and thanksgiving. Let your what request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, we need to guard our minds. This old Jaron Jackson reminds us that it's in the eyes and the ears for which the enemy tries to attack and, and captivate uh, the, the, the most important terrain, which is the mind. We need to have a renewed mind. We need to pray and ask God to give us a freedom from anxiety. Some of you are so anxious this morning. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, the vaccination, we're all going to die. Come on, really? We're all going to die? Good, we're all going to go to heaven. <laughs> right, so here's the deal. Stop allowing the world to cast fear on you. Pray that God will remove your fears. Are you fearful that you're not going to make your house payment? Go to work and trust God. You say, well, pastor, they fired me because I wouldn't get the vaccine. He'll take care of you. He will provide your needs one way or the other. It may not end up and look like what you expect. But not my will be done, but his. Maybe you're sick this morning. And you want God to heal you. Maybe you found out that you have a terminal illness. And the reality is, is this. If you have faith in Christ, you're going to be taken care of. You may not be healed on this side of heaven. Oh, but the day will come, my friend, when there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. So pray to God. 
Be anxious for nothing, but in every circumstance in which you find anxiety and fear, take it head on with prayers and supplications and thanksgiving. God, thank you for allowing me to be in this situation so that I'm reminded of your ability and the lack of mine. And I think that kind of relationship with God is what he wants. Because when you understand your eternal perspective, your joy is not based on your circumstance, but based on your position in Christ. You are justified. You are declared right. You are eternally living because you are a child of the Most High God. And the worst thing that can happen is you step into eternity with the Lord for which you can now praise God eternally. Doesn't sound like a bad gig. But you know what? We're so focused on this world because we've created our own little kingdoms that we lose sight of our eternal perspective. We need to talk to God with an eternal perspective, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, knowing that God will give us the ability, a peace that will surpass all understanding. Why do you feel God is interested in every era of, of your life? Well, God cares about your life. He is your Father. He loves you. He knows you. He knows you better than anybody. So what's God's promise? Is that, that He will grant you a peace. He's already told you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. Let your heart not be troubled, nor let it be fearful, He says in John 14. Why? Because we are children of God. We are indwelt with the Spirit of God. And he who lives in us is greater than he who is in the world. This is Satan's world. This is Satan. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the king, my friend, of this world. So, so have peace. And you'll have peace when you commune with the Father in prayer. What areas of your life this morning do you need to apply this to today? We all have. A, I, I need to apply this in my work, in my ministry, in paying off my debt. Right? There, there are still things that weigh me down. But God is gracious. God is sufficient. He is able to take care of my needs just like he is able to take care of your needs. We need to apply this to our lives every day because there is a benefit. There is a benefit of prayer. But not only is there a benefit, there are conditions of prayer. What conditions of prayer do you find in the following verses? Number seven. Look over at Psalm 66, verse 8, where it says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. God, Listen, God warns us. He wants us to confess our sins because we all have the capability. And if you say you have no sin, there is this idea that when you are saved, when you are born again, that the Spirit of God comes to live in you and that you would never sin again. That's heresy. My friends, it says, he who says he has no sins makes God out to be a liar, and the truth is not in him. No, you, you will sin. The question is what you will do when you sin. 
because you can't follow the laws of God, and you certainly can't follow the laws of Jesus. That says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, I say, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. If you hate your brother, you have murdered them. You're guilty. So you will sin with your mouth, with your eyes, with your ears, with your actions, whatever it is. You, you will sin, my friend. And if you regard iniquity in your heart and you don't confess that sin as we talked about first, there's no promise that he will hear from you. So if you're living a habitual lifestyle, let's just say this. If you're living with a man or a woman outside of marriage and you're having sexual intercourse together, that is a sin. And if you've adopted that into your lifestyle and you expect God to hear your prayers, if you think for a second that you can live in a homosexual lifestyle, a transgender lifestyle, an LGBTQ lifestyle, a confused gender identity lifestyle, and you think God's going to hear from you, you're wrong, my friend. Confess it. If you regard iniquity in your heart, he will not hear. Now, that may fall hard on ears. And I just named a couple. I, I don't, you know, hey, listen, we all have sin. We need to confess it, my friends, and we need to admit to Almighty God we're wrong so that we are not hindered. There is a condition. You just don't have free reign, and I don't have free reign to do as I want and accomplish what I want in my own reasoning and think God's going to bless me. That God didn't work that way. We need a high view of God. God will absolutely destroy you. And if you have the wickedness in your heart, if you're living in habitual sin and you have no conviction of your heart and God isn't disciplining, you are an illegitimate child, my friend, because God disciplines those he loves. So don't wait. When you sin, admit it and repent. That's important. Because if we regard iniquity in our hearts, he will not hear us. He's not obligated. I mean, if you got any doubt about that, flip over to Isaiah 59 2. Your sins have made a separation between you and your God. His sin has hidden his face so that he doesn't even hear your prayer. So we need to make sure that we understand the condition. We need to go to God with a pure heart, with a repentant heart. Don't even open your mouth. Don't even close your eyes. Don't even hit your knees until you've asked God to forgive you of the current sin that you are living in, which we all have. A lot of times when I pray and I'm in public, I ask God, forgive us of our sins, Lord. Why? Because from that point on, from that moment, I want to make sure that I have not hidden iniquity in my heart. Because I don't know about you, but I want access to the Father. I want the Father to hear and my prayers to be heard from heaven. So don't do people an injustice by praying for them while you're living a, a habitual lifestyle of sin. You're just wasting your breath. Matthew 21, 22. This is an and all things you ask in prayer, believe and you will receive. 
Faith in prayer is important. It begins with confession of sin, with a pure heart, going to God in faith. Trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Faith has results. Now, when we go to the Lord in prayer, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, does not mean you're going to get a Porsche. Does not mean you're going to live in a 6,000 square foot house in Beverly Hills. It doesn't mean you're going to get the job. Doesn't mean you're not going to be fired. Doesn't mean you're not going to get cancer. Doesn't mean those things. What it means is that when you are living in a relationship with Christ, you approach God in prayer, but you always say, not my will, but your will be done. This is what I think. This is what I want, but I don't really know what I need. So God, I ask you by your grace to give me and to provide for me what I need, not what my wants. That's important. Don't manipulate the Word of God so that you can gain access to a high bank account. This prosperity gospel of our day is nauseating. But it does not mean that we do not need to go to God in faith. We need to go to God trusting that He is able to do what He chooses to do. He is sovereign. And if He chooses not to heal somebody, that's God's prerogative. doesn't mean we don't go and ask God to heal. But how dare you, charismatic, wackos telling people who are walking around cripple that they are crippled because they have no faith. Shame on you. You will die. One day you will die and God will not heal you. What will you do then with your faith? Listen, don't misrepresent God. This is a day and age which we see a bunch of junk Christianity. Now you say, why are you getting so passionate? Because I'm passionate. Because I've been in churches where somebody told that man who was walking on crutches, if you just had enough faith, you could get off those crutches. Don't you think that man prayed that God would heal him? Don't you think he trusted God? Maybe his trust is in God, not in his circumstance. And maybe you are the one who lacks trust. My wife sitting in the bed right now sick. And she said, how ashamed is it to think that someone would accuse me of not having enough faith or I could be healed. Hmm. Interesting concept. You will all die, every single one of us, in the sound of my voice. God loves you. God cares for you. And God will take care of you, my friends. God will take care of you. Praying in faith is important. But trusting God in prayer is more important. The faith isn't the faith that you'll get what you want. The faith is that you have faith that God will give you what he wants and give you the ability to endure. That's real faith. It's just like freedom. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, we're free in America. You're not free in America. You can, you're not free, my friends. You think you're free. You're not free. You're not free. Your, your freedoms are bound. They're limited. True freedom isn't the ability to do what you want to do. True biblical freedom is the ability to do what you know you should do. That's freedom. And the only way you can be truly free is to be born again, because when you're born again, you have a new nature. And that nature is a Christocentric nature that Christ now lives in you and gives you the ability to live out the victorious Christian life. True freedom isn't the ability to do what you want. 
if we're so free as a nation, as a human race on this earth, why do we have so many rockets stored up, guns in the cabinet? You're not free. You're under the bondage of Satan in this world. Now, you have the freedom in Christ to be victorious in your walk with Christ, but true freedom is only found in a personal relationship with Christ. That's why he says he who has the Son is free indeed. True freedom is in Christ because he paid for you on Calvary's cross, and he's bought you, and he's paid your debt. So we need to, yes, go to God in confession. We need to go to God trusting by faith that he is able. That's important. But if you flip over to John chapter 15, verse 7, we need to be making sure that if we are, a, we are connected to Christ in a life-giving way, we need to be abiding in Christ. He says, if you abide in me, and my word abide in you, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. There again, we understand that this isn't a a uh, prosperity announcement, and you can have the riches of the world. No, if you're connected to Christ and Christ is connected to you, then you have the desires as Christ has the desire. And your desires will be the desires for which Christ has, if you're living and walking in the Spirit. Now, if you walk in the flesh, you may misrepresent that. But you, the, 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 the importance is that you are, you are abiding in Christ. You are connected to that which gives life. You're not connected to Christ, my friends. You're dead. You'll be cut off and you'll be thrown into the fire. That's what the Scripture says. John uh, chapter 16, verse 24. We need to ask what we ask. We need to pray what we pray in the name of Jesus. Now, listen to me. Just because you say, in the name of Jesus, doesn't mean it's going to happen. This ain't some genie in the bottle, right? There, there isn't some powerful terminology. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the devil. Get out of here. Listen, we are to approach God humbly, repentance, trusting in God's ability. And we need to do that asking in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is our access. He says in verse 24 of chapter 16, Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Flip over to 1 John chapter 5. So there's conditions on, these, uh, on prayer, my friends. It's not just a free-for-all. This is the confidence we have before him, that if we ask anything, here's the key, according to his will, he hears us. That means if you ask something that is not according to his will, he does not hear. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him because why? We have asked based upon his will. Not my will, but your will. Remember Jesus, he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying to the Father, and he's asking him, take this cup for me, but Lord, not my will, your will be done. That's important. Even when conditions are met, my friend, sometimes it appears that God's not answering. 
Listen, you can do those things. You can confess. You can pray with faith. You can abide in Christ. You can ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can ask the Lord Jesus Christ with confidence. But sometimes it seems like God doesn't answer. He's quiet. He's silent. But let me remind you, for those that are in the New Testament study of the survey that we're doing for uh, a certificate program through the Master Seminary, you are reminded that there was 400 years of silence by which God did not speak through the prophets or the writings of the Scriptures. But in that 400 years, it is apparent that while God wasn't speaking, God was working. He was working and preparing the platform for the gospel to go forth. Through the Hellenization, by making the Jewish people live as Greeks, they had to learn the Greek language. There became a popular language, Koine Greek. When the Romans took over and they began to build all the road system, it gave access for them at, in the New Testament to move the gospel throughout the world for which they knew. God, just because he does not hear, or just because he is, you're not thinking he's hearing, he's heard you. And while it appears if God's not answering, remember that no, remember that wait, or as much as of an answer is yes. So be patient. Consider the prayer patterns that Jesus did in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. Look over there. Then he says in this way, Our Father who is in heaven. First he addresses the Father. And then in verses 9 and 10, we, we understand that th this is a God-centered prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done. That's God-centered. And then there is the man-centered aspect of it. Verses 11 to 13. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We need to start with God-centered and then move. Because we want to pray and to actively be engaged in prayer with God's desires, not His will to be done. In what specific way can this pattern of prayer of your life help you in praying? Well, I think it can help you be first Christocentric, God-centered, Christ-centered in your prayers. It's always vital to be about God's will first and then our needs because we know God's going to take care. So for whom do you pray? Well, number nine, what did Paul desire for those that did not know Christ. What, what? Well, look at that. He says here, Romans 10.1, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is what? For their salvation, my friends. God's intention and desire is that people are saved. 
And the only way they're saved is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. In Acts 4, 14, Acts 4, 12, 27, there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved apart from Jesus Christ. Salvation is first and foremost, my friends. What did he pray about? Well, he prayed that the Lord would lead them to be saved. Read First uh, Timothy chapter 2, 1 to 4. What groups of people should you pray for and why? Well, he says this. First of all, then, I urge you... And that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made half be, made be made behalf on all men, of all men, from kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. You ought to pray for every single person in your world to be saved. Everybody, on behalf of all men. You ought to pray for the most wicked president. You ought to pray for the most wicked candidates. You ought to pray for the most wicked vice president. You ought to pray for every single soul who has ever lived that they might come to Christ. Because you've been called to. That was Paul's heart. I mean, when you look at Matthew 9, 37 and 38, flip over there. What is it the Lord's desires for you to pray for? He said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Do you realize that people are ready to be saved, to turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God? They're ready to be harvested into salvation, my friend. And you can be a part of that. But the problem is many people never even share their faith. They never go out into the highways and byways and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ because they're afraid they're going to be embarrassed. They're afraid somebody's going to ask a question they don't know. Can I give you a secret? I don't know a whole lot. But what I do know, my friend, is the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That if you believe that that was enough to pay for your penalty, which you have sinned, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death, because you are dead in your trespasses, you need someone to step in and rescue from that. It's not that you love God, but that God loved you and sent his son, that he would die on a cross. His wrath would be poured out on him so that he becomes your very substitute. He has taken your place. He has paid your debt. Now you lack one thing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. We need to go into the world praying that God would save souls and we need to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. The workers are few. Why do you feel this is important? You ought to feel it's important because every day people die and go to hell. They die and they go to hell. Loved ones, children, 
whom you love, parents who you love, grandparents whom you love, great-grandparents who you love. And some will die this week. Some will die today. Some will murder. Some will kill because they don't have the peace of Christ in their heart. They're not born again. So, yes, they need you to tell them the gospel. They need you to pray for them so that they might be delivered. Pray for all men because God wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So, are you a worker or are you a worrier? So, how do you usually react when you have been intentionally mistreated by someone? We need to pray for everybody because we are all able to hurt. We need to pray for those that are enemies. We don't need to be bitter towards them. You need to pray for them. They're wicked. They don't know Christ. Stop thinking you're going to make them live a good life. They are not going to live a good life. They're going to live like they are. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. So don't be surprised when they 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 persecute you. <laughs> they persecuted Christ. You better bet they're going to persecute you if you preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that Christ is the only way to salvation. Not this palatable, cultural, modern-day nauseating gospel of our day, this prosperity gospel, this feel-good Christianity that's all about you. It ain't about you. It's about Almighty God. So we need to consider our prayers. So put together a prayer list. That's helpful. Find a, a little booklet and begin to write down how you can pray for people. What you can pray about people. You pray for the country, pray for your family, pray for the people in your lives, in your workplace, etc. And I promise you, you'll have enough to fill uh, 40, 50 minutes of prayer if you really wanted to. But hey, start with 10 minutes. So here are a few things I want us to consider. Um, if you haven't used a prayer list, use this. Your family, your non-Christian friends, pray for their salvation, their acquaintances. Pray for your pastor. I mean, these pastors today never had to live through what we are living through. Pray for your church, that God would use your church to reach people with the hope of Christ. Pray for missionaries all over the world, Christian workers you know. Pray for people in the hospital. Pray for the workers in the hospital, those who oppose you. Pray for them. Government authorities, pray for them. Pray for their souls to be saved. They're real human beings. And yes, Jesus died for them. They need salvation. And then pray for your personal needs. So we need to daily con con conversate with God. What are your attitudes? What attitudes can you have in coming to God? Well, you can come, stop worrying, know He is God. You can desire the Lord that He would hear, that He would... Hear your prayers. We need to take our prayers to the Lord. God is, is holy and speaks to us through His Word. And through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, in this life, we can accomplish so much for which God wants for us. 
And now he says here in number 15, examine Luke 10, 38 to 42, and make several observations from the passage which relates to spending time with Jesus. And here we, if you're reminded, we find the story of Mary and Martha. Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. She wants to be with Christ. She wants to spend time with Christ. And Martha's wrapped up in serving. Listen, both are important. But the better thing is to sit at the feet of Jesus and pray. Because without it, your service is meaningless. God can accomplish more in 10 minutes of prayer than you can 10 years of service. Which one did Jesus commend and why? Well, Mary listened to the Lord's words, and Martha was only concerned about her service. She was, she was a working gal, while Martha was a worshiping gal. We can easily be distracted by many things in this life. through Though it be money, though it be work, though it be sleep, though it be material things, whatever the case. So what can we do to overcome those distractions? We can seek the Lord in everything and call on him daily in our lives. He cares for you, my friend. We need his help. We want to fellowship with him, and we ultimately want to be affected, effective. So remember these points. God has provided prayer as the means of communication directly to him, with him, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Prayer releases us from fear and worry. We need that today. Because many are scared out of their britches, and they need to get into prayer, and they need to trust God. Prayer releases that fear and anxiety. The Scripture provides numerous patterns and examples of, for prayer and conditions. So let's make sure that we are following with those. And ultimately, God desires our fellowship. He desires us to communicate with Him and to grow in our relationship with Him. So regular times, get along with God in prayer so that you can be faithful in your walk with the Lord. God bless you guys. We love you, and we're grateful. We pray that you will continue to work and to pray as you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We ask you bless the rest of our time together today. Thank you for the reminder and the necessity of prayer in our lives and make sure that we are faithful in living out just what it is you want us to do for your glory. We ask these things in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast and be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org and come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Well, good morning, and I pray you found that a blessing. <clears throat> what great reminders um, that we have. 